0: And welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fanbite news show, rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, John Warren. This week, I sat down with writer, streamer, podcaster, and just one of our favorite people on Earth, Funky Joseph, to discuss Mario Day, Pokemon, Valorant, and much more. But first, let's talk about our top story of the week. The biggest story of the week might ultimately be the biggest story of 2021 in games, given the sheer scope of Microsoft's $7.5 billion purchase of Bethesda. The acquisition became official earlier this week with regulatory bodies in the U.S. and EU signing off on the deal. Phil Spencer took to the Xbox Wire blog on Tuesday to discuss the deal uh, regarding that burning question lingering in everyone's minds for months since the deal was announced revolving... Xbox exclusivity of Bethesda games, Spencer wrote the following, quote, This is the next step in building an industry-leading first-party studios team, a commitment we have to our Xbox community. With the addition of the Bethesda creative teams, gamers should know that Xbox consoles, PC, and Game Pass will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games, including some new titles in the future that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC players, end quote. The wording here is leaving a lot of room for possibility, but the grand plan with Bethesda's products came into view as the week progressed, with Microsoft adding 20 games to their Xbox Game Pass service as of Friday. The games in question are Dishonored Definitive Edition, Dishonored 2, Doom, Doom 2, Doom 64, Doom 3, Doom Eternal, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Prey, Rage 2, The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, 4 Oblivion, 5 Skyrim, The Elder Scrolls Online, The Evil Within, Wolfenstein The New Order, Wolfenstein The Old Blood, and Wolfenstein Young Blood. Uh, Each game will have different combinations of playable platforms across Xbox, PC, and mobile. So check those compatibilities before, assuming you'll be able to fire up Fallout New Vegas on your Android device, which you won't be able to do. Uh, This announcement uh, about the game's joining Game Pass happened during a roundtable stream where Phil Spencer maybe kind of sort of contradicted what he wrote in the blog post earlier in the week. Quote, so obviously I can't sit here and say every Bethesda game is exclusive because we know that's not true. There's contractual obligations that we're going to see through as we always do in every one of these instances. We have games that exist on other platforms and we're going to support those games and the platforms they're on. There's communities of players. We love those communities and we'll continue to invest in them. And even in the future, there might be things that have either contractual things or legacy on different platforms that we'll go to. <clears throat> but if... You're an Xbox customer. The thing I want you to know is this uh, is this is about delivering great exclusive games for you that ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. And that's our goal. That's why we're doing this. That's the root of this partnership that we're building. And the creative capability that we'll be able to bring to the market for our Xbox customers is going to be the best it's ever been for Xbox after we're done here. End quote. Okay, so, some folks are pointing to that legacy line as evidence that big games like maybe the Elder Scrolls series will probably still end up on multiple consoles and not be used as a leverage chip to sell more Xbox consoles or Game Pass subscriptions. And that kind of makes sense, right? It's hard to imagine a more divisive decision than pulling a popular game franchise away from other platforms that have had access to it for years, though it certainly wouldn't be the first time something like that has happened. Still… Microsoft will benefit from the sales of that game series no matter where it's sold, which is kind of the basis of the appeal of just owning Bethesda outright, wouldn't you say? So I don't think this will be an issue that is ever firmly decided once and for all, but rather an ongoing series of decisions, which is about a vague plan as we can expect from an acquisition so far. You can check out the entire roundtable discussion and written pieces about this story from Kenneth Shepard over on fanbyte.com. My guest this week is a friend of the brand, a frequent collaborator. You can see their bylines on fanby.com of course, but also Paste and many other places. I am super happy to be chatting this week with Funky Joseph. Hi, Funky. Hello. Hey, <laughs> <How's> it, <laughs> thank you for the nice
1: intro. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I hope I got it. I hope I nailed it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. I I, I think I'm like getting better at intros but i'm always very nervous about them you know because like what Mm. what what amount of like accolades and kind of mentions like what what sounds like too much you know what i mean like am am i am i like hyping people up too much but then i also think like is there such thing i don't know
1: i don't think so yeah when i'm hosting stuff i try to hype the most and then it's always like, oh, uh, you, you didn't need to say all that, but you know what? The people do a lot of things and you should let them know.
0: It's like, true. It's true. And now, and now we're, now we've really got a problem because Natalie Flores, another person has won so many awards in the past two weeks that like her intros are going to get ridiculous, like really fast. Let's it's, go. I know. I know. But I'm already dreading having to introduce her on another podcast. Cause like, that's going to be five <laughs> minutes and she's going to insist on the whole thing being said. Um, And it's fine. It's in our contract. I have to say every single one of them. Um, (laughs) I think that's very good. (laughs) It is really good. Um, So I wanted to start this week because it is is the week of Mario Day, um, Mm -hmm. March 10th. Um, I love Mario. Mario is great. I have a few things to say. One, um, in my day, because I'm 35 years old, we didn't have Mario Day. Every day was Mario (laughs) Day when I was a child. So... Um, I feel like the March 10th thing is like a new phenomenon, like a very new phenomenon, but I don't, yeah. I don't know how long ago it started. When was the first time you, that you recall seeing the Mar 1.0? I'm going to call it Mar 1.0 because that's yeah. basically what it is. Cause I don't remember. I don't remember the first time I saw this. I think it's very
1: true. I think what happened was people kind of like how there's a Star Wars day, like May the 4th. They were like, Mario needs one of those. Um, and just noticed that it, it, it lined up. Right. But yeah, I think I remember the first time seeing that was on like Twitter, like five or six years ago, probably. Yeah. yeah. People were like, hashtag Mario. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure it, I just saw fans doing it. And then I saw Nintendo like pretty heavily leaning into it in the past couple of years. Okay. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But yeah, I was explaining it to my family. I was like so excited that morning. I was like, "It's Mario Day!" <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Isn't it always Mario Day for you?"
0: Like, <laughs> that's that's um, how I feel. I I feel like Mario Day is just in my heart year round. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I but know. it I, it is like I I was excited. I put on my like Cappy hat, the one with from oh Odyssey. Gosh, that's amazing. Um. <laughs> yeah I went to like some weird Nintendo press event when they were like demoing it, and I, I they gave out hats, which was nice and Mario snapbacks oh which wow are very cool i I don't I have too much hair, but um th- they're an awesome item but it, when I was thinking about Mario Day, I was like, this is kind of odd because at the end of the day like it's a holiday that a company invented to sell more of their products <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> i I don't know, like something about that was like unsettling to me and I took off the cap. I was going to like post a picture of me with my like Donkey Kong mug and then my Mario hat. Then I was like, I feel like I'm repping Mario for free and like, I'm just like doing Nintendo Mario marketing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the May the 4th stuff was the same thing where it was like, yeah, it was like a thing that some cute twitter people latched onto i don't know a decade ago or something and then and then it's just like okay well now the now okay now the corporations are on board and they do a big like press conference that day now and they reveal stuff and it's like a big event and like i get it the instinct is probably really strong to just like latch onto it but then it becomes that thing where you're like okay well what line am i like i'm happy it's mario day but am i just doing free free marketing for them yeah
1: um, i don't i it there's something about it that just felt so weird and yeah. I, I checked my email and nintendo's like having a mario sale right and nintendo sales are like Kind really of rare sales to me yeah, yeah
0: they, they're, they're rare and they're also like we knocked five cents off of yes
1: mario.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was so strange it's it's never really a deal either
1: but it does feel like a push to be like okay buy more mario you know it's his day
0: what are you gonna do not buy some stuff from him <laughs> like what are you gonna do you're gonna make him sad are you gonna are you gonna make mario sad on his day this don't is unacceptable. don't make
1: mario cry stop <laughs> just purchase it <laughs>
0: Um, I, won't, I won't reveal the exact I, – I won't speculate as to the exact age gap, but there is a pretty significant age gap between you and I. So I'm really curious when I talk to folks who love Mario that grew up like 15 years-ish after I did, what was like your first Mario game? Like What, what was your experience with the series at the outset? Because I, I bet it was very different from mine.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I played – I guess – like, Nintendo was kind of my my first consoles, yeah. like, as a child. Uh, and I think it might have been uh, Melee. Just, like, oh. I guess kind of just seeing Mario through there and being like, whoa, this guy's got fireballs. Um, That's amazing. I was, I was super – I didn't really understand who he was as, like, a guy. Um, and he had his whole, whole own franchise. Um, and I think the first Mario game that I played myself was Super Mario Bros. 2. Okay. The one that is kind of like very, very different from all of the other ones. Yeah, you're picking up
0: up vegetables. It's basically, yeah, Doki Doki Panic, but they brought it over and reskinned it because the original Super Mario Two in the in Japan was too hard, so they wanted to bring an American game over, and that's that's why it's so different than everything else.
1: Yeah, and I really enjoyed that one, and I I was kind of shocked that like all the other games weren't in the same style. Yeah. But uh, after that, I think I played New Super Mario Bros., which is okay. still like my favorite one for the DS. That's a um, good one. I would I play with my cousins all the time, and just there's a there was a multiplayer mode as well yeah. that uh, you could just like get this blue turtle shell and and spin around on the ice. I remember, we just like did that for hours. It was a very fun time.
0: That's it. Yeah, no, it's a good one. It's a that's an underrated one. I I I I did start with the OG because um, my Uh, my grandmother, knows. it was my grandmother and my great grandmother both conspired to buy me a Nintendo entertainment system when I was like three. And my mom was like, don't, don't buy him this. It's going to rot his brain. And yes. And then like the rest is history because they bought it and it did rot my brain. (laughs) And and here we are. Um, my mom was totally right about it. Um, But I I did play the original first, but the one that I have the most memories of and I played the most as a kid was two also. So that's really interesting that you and I both um, kind of have that in common kind of where – Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I really, really liked that one. I liked the music in it. I liked the enemy design. I liked the vibe. I liked the gameplay stuff. So like when – when Mario Three came out, I actually was kind of disappointed. Like, I think that's a very good game, but and and obviously Mario World kind of follows in that tradition, and and those are classics, and I love them a lot. But there there was this kind of like sadness of like. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So Mario's not throwing turnips at people anymore.
1: Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. super different. And I I love the, I love raccoons. I'm from Toronto and they're everywhere. (laughs) Uh, So that was like a fun little thing in there, but it does feel like more of a sequel to one than to two. Right. Uh, Yeah. And John, you were talking about the music and I was actually listening to it in the summer. I was like, I need to listen to the soundtrack again. And every single song in that game is like one minute long Mm -hmm. and just loops and i didn't realize how short of a banger they made and they were just like yeah print it it's one minute long
0: print it flip it (laughs)
1: loop it for 10 hours if they're stuck on this level they're gonna enjoy it and they were right they were
0: right yeah (laughs) they
1: all slap
0: they all they're all bangers and they're you're exactly right they're all they're all they would all fit in an instagram story it's perfect yes yeah um yeah it's uh that's a really good game.
1: Um, Are you still playing uh, the new Super Mario 3D? I, world? I,
0: I am. I'm, I'm like, uh, I, I have something to reveal to not only to you but to the audience. I have been <sighs> so like, I go through these waves. I have not picked up a video game that I've had fun playing in about three weeks. <laughs> which John, like, which like,
1: hey. What are you doing?
0: Well, I think I like, listen, we're all stressy, depressy. It's at the end of uh, it's at it's at maybe the end of the pandemic. I don't know. Um, Those are strong words. Yeah, maybe. I have no idea. The end might be in sight for me. I'm getting vaccinated on Monday. So I'm excited about that.
1: Monday. yes. Yeah.
0: Um, But like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of stressy, depressy stuff. And I'm like. I haven't really been I played I played Bowser's Fury for like 4 hours when it like the day it came out mm-hmm. and I kind of have just kind of like been bouncing back into it every once in a while and playing 3D World. Um I will say this, I didn't like 3D World when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um because I I I am such a bigger fan of Odyssey's style of like a sandbox, like you get a sandbox and you like explore. And so yeah, Mario 64, um, definitely Super Mario Odyssey. Like those games were, are really my, my platonic ideal of a 3D yeah. Mario game. So when Mario 3D World came out for Wii U, one, it was on Wii U, which like I didn't play much of the Wii U. I owned one, but I maybe turned it on like, this is this is bad for a thing I spent what, what was it like 300 bucks on. Know, I know. I think I I think I literally and and this is this is embarrassing but I think it's I'm I'm not exaggerating. I think I turned on my Wii U from a cold off state 20 times. Wow. Like, I, I just did not play very often. So, I didn't beat 3D World. I didn't have friends at the time. No, that's not true. I just didn't have friends <laughs> that played that game. Especially um, on
1: a Wii U. Like, Right. It, it's, like, that's such a small kind of Nintendo's audience, too, because yeah. not a lot of people bought that.
0: Yeah. But I I have been enjoying it again. Uh, what about you? Did you like it when it first came out?
1: Uh, I never played it. I had a Wii U, but it. I only used that Wii U for, like, Smash Bros. And, nice. uh what like Mario Kart for a day, and I was like, "Oh, Mario Kart's not for me. Let me just play Smash Bros." <laughs> um, but I did play uh, 3D Land, which was the one on 3DS that came out like yeah. I think a couple of years before yep. 3D World, uh, and I really, really enjoyed that one. Similarly to why I enjoy 3D World, like f- my first time playing through it, uh, just because like it takes those like little ideas and really has fun with them in a way that it's like. Okay, you you know what Mario is, but right. what if we did it like this? Right. What if we like spun it around and like gave a Goomba a power up or something? Yep, um, and made them like a raccoon or a cat. Uh, and I, I think that leads to more just like fun character design and just like uh uh we were talking about this a little while ago, but like how everyone's dancing and uh mm-hmm. like the music is playing and every like enemy is like bopping along and mm-hmm. like has cat ears too. It just creates this like very fun vibe to a whole level that yeah. I just want to like play through and find out all the secrets.
0: Yeah. Um, that's funny. You mentioned three Land cause that, that's my third favorite Mario game. Like ah. I, I love that game. Um, yeah. and three D world kind of, I, I expected it to kind of expand on it or feel similar. And for some reason it doesn't to me. <laughs> um but I still I am still enjoying it much more this time than I did um when it first came out. Um but uh yeah, did you did you play all the way through Bowser's Fury? No, I've been playing with my friends. I've been trying to nice. coordinate
1: that, but trying to get four people together during these times is it's hectic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've been like playing on and off and then also just like uh, going solo, doing like yeah. a one or two. But, yeah, it's it's been slow. I haven't been able to, like, sit down and play through it because I, I feel like I use it, like, I play it, like, 30 minutes at a time, then I do something else. Right. Um, it's not something that I can dedicate, like, five hours on, yeah. say, like, in a session. Um, I've been going back to uh the 3D collection, though, because mm. I remember that they're leaving at the end of the month. Yeah. And I was like, what? They're,
0: they're killing Mario at the end of the month. I can't believe it. <laughs>
1: They're taking him down, finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- those games as well. Like I, those are games that I mostly watched my cousins play uh because they're like older cousins they were like we'll do this for you like we'll do this like sunshine boss for you (laughs) uh but now i'm like playing them for the first time and uh, these are so challenging like i'd be walking to the top of like a mountain or something and i fall and it's like oh well start from the bottom uh which is not something i'm used to because especially with the newer mario games like i was talking about uh new super mario bros that one was, I feel like the start of like the, the really easy Mario games. Yeah, Cause the sequel to that one with new super Mario Bros two was all coins and mm-hmm. like coins everywhere, which just means like 99 lives all the time. Uh, I remember I got 99 lives in the first level of that game. Um, <laughs> the first stage I just, I maxed out and I was like, okay, I, I'm never going to die again in this one. Um, but I, I do like how the earlier ones were more challenging. I it, it, It's very yeah. fun and. I kind of get more playtime out of that too.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I, I tend to agree. I think like, um, sunshine is one of those games that, you know, I, I didn't love it when it came out on GameCube, um, and tried to play it again. And I think it's, it's like so hard that I'm now kind of determined to, to get through it. But like, it's kind of a punishing game for me. Um, and I don't think I'm very good at the flood stuff. Like I'll watch people, um, it's like parkour or something. Like I'll watch people play Odyssey and I'm just like, wow, that looks so easy and effortless and cool. And then when I do it, I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I'm spraying water into Mario's own mouth. And I'm just like, I'm not like, (laughs) I'm not like, I'm not actually jumping. Like you, you take away some of his moveset from other games. So it's like confusing to me. Um, yeah, it's It's always tough. It's it's always
1: weird figuring out like which kind of jumps Mario can do in this game. Right. Like can he yeah. do the backflip, the side flip, the little hop, the crouch roll? Yeah. And some games just like pull out a mechanic and leave you with something Like Flood is so specific to that game. Yeah. Like there's nothing else really like it. Uh I remember one mission that like made me turn it off for a long while was uh, the manta ray one.
0: Oh God. Yeah.
1: (laughs) There's a giant manta ray that comes and it's a shadow, like a slimy shadow and you have to spray it. And then each time you spray it, it splits off into like a a half size. Right. Yeah. And it keeps going and keeps going until it's like pretty much everywhere. There's like a manta ray and Mm -hmm. you have to spray them and uh, it's, they just kill you in one shot. Like there's too many enemies. I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some bad like individual level design in that game. Like I'm willing to just say that it's like it's yeah. it's basically bad. Um but uh yeah, it's I'm I'm enjoying those two before they take them off the Nintendo put them back into the Nintendo vault or whatever uh forever. Um How or, do you feel about that strategy of like selling a game for a limited
1: time that, that <sighs> already exists?
0: Uh, I hate it. I mean, like, uh, like economically, I understand what the, I I understand what the business idea behind it is that they, um, they don't in the near future have, uh, um, a reason to like repackage this again or whatever the the mm-hmm. real, the real beef I have with the 3d all-star thing. And, and frankly, a lot of the special things that Nintendo does is that they don't put any sort of like extra effort into them. Like if, if, um, <laughs> If 3D All-Stars came out and it was limited time and they were like – also what you get with this with this game package is like, I don't know, four hours of like behind-the-scenes like documentary stuff about like the making of these games or just the history mm-hmm. or like the reception. Like make something out of the experience. Like show us why these games are important and why they're culturally culturally." relevant because one there's an entire generation of players that might be starting with galaxy two or new super mario brothers or or even odyssey that like don't understand why these games were relevant or popular uh or even interesting and then there's like people like me that grew up with them and love them but like nintendo doesn't talk about this stuff so like i would love to to get that out of it so if they did the time sensitive stuff but added a bunch of stuff, I wouldn't care so much. I still think the yeah. time, I still think the time sensitive stuff is is weird, but I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I definitely think it's it's odd because yeah, I don't I don't know like these games already are out there and I I appreciate them being more accessible and like being put into a package for people that like yeah, have never heard of them but have played Odyssey on the Switch. right. Um but it does feel like okay, like you're charging all of this for Like, the same things that Mm -hmm. already exist and, like, I I own, but I don't want to go through and, like, set up my Wii, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, I I got the games and I'm playing through them. Um, I think it's better than other times they've put out stuff. And I'm kind of questioning Twilight Princess as well because that seems Mm. to be full price. Right. Uh, And I I don't really agree with, like, full price for a game that is already... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like it's gotta be like super, you gotta really wow me with something, um, or or pull me in. Uh, I saw super or sorry, Mario 64 concept art, like of the castle. And like, there's like some clay stuff, uh, that released a while ago. And I was like, I, I don't really see those for, like, more recent Mario games. Like, I feel like that was a big thing with Nintendo Power as well. Right. diving into, like, breaking down the concept art and, like, pulling stuff out. Also just with physical copies of things. Um, But, yeah, maybe if, like, the 3D collection had some sort of concept art from the games or, like, some... Other things that were were on the cutting floor, like character designs as well. I know there's so many like specific looking characters for Galaxy and Sunshine f- for like Delfino and stuff. Like even stuff like a lore thing, like d- describing the island more would be nice. But yeah, yeah it is really just the games repackaged again. Um, yeah, but it's, it's it's Nintendo. They kind of get away with that.
0: They do. I mean, it it would be so easy, but you're you're so right about Nintendo Power. And I also remember uh, IGN in the very early days, um, you know, they would – you know, they they got these like videos, these like kind of prototype videos of like you know the first footage of Mario sixty four, and and then like the the disc drive for Nintendo that never really Nintendo sixty four that never really uh, picked up. Like they were doing a, a prototype for Mario one twenty eight or whatever they gonna, what whatever they were gonna call it, and it's like those things are part of 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 Mario 64's history, and like a lot of that stuff is floating around out there, but you're totally right. Like a lot of that stuff doesn't exist for the later games. And I don't know, it would just be nice to see it. But again, it's Nintendo. Um, yeah. What, what's your, what's your absolute favorite Mario game before we move on to something else?
1: Absolute favorite. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say smash bros. I, I okay. guess like, I mean like uh, smash bros ultimate. Cause that okay. is his game. All right. Um, no matter how many Fire Emblem characters are put in there, that is a Mario <laughs> game uh, <laughs> till till the end of time. Yeah, I just I just really like how it is such a vessel and like like a Nintendo gaming museum. It, it feels like, uh, and yeah. just the, the passion of Sakurai being like every character he adds in, like he really loves and the, he loves the series from. And when he's describing the characters movesets and everything, he really like, you can tell the passion for the series he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it feels like it's just a good way to get into other games that you might not have heard of like earthbound. Like I was, I was playing Ness and I was like, I don't know anything about earthbound, but this kid's cool. <laughs> and then like <laughs> yeah. I, I tried earthbound. and I was like, Oh, this is amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, it is such an interesting gateway. I mean, even for really, um, even for really like small stuff, I know I know Paul's playing Earthbound right now as well. Um, and his hey, let's go! It. Yeah, um, and and yeah, like I, it's such a the the frustrating thing for me, Funke, is that like you're right, they they've made this game, this franchise that is all about celebrating the the history, and it is such a useful gateway. But so many of the things that they reference are not readily accessible by. Yeah. By their own, you know, they could easily I, I, if I were in charge of Nintendo and this is this is goofy kind of armchair quarterbacking, but it's like I would be so tempted to end the conversation about like, you know, like the best console. Like I I don't play those games like I don't like I'm not interested in which is the best console, but it's like if I'm sitting in a Nintendo knowing I could put the entire I don't know GameCube library or then N sixty four library or whatever on the Switch. Like I would do it. I would be too tempted to do it. But they won't because they they've got these withholding and kind of restrictive, uh, like very classic economics uh, strategies when it comes to kind of like selling their products. And it's like I recognize those things and I understand that, but they still frustrate me. And I think like. You know, Smash would be so interesting, so much more interesting even to me than it already is, if there was a a really easy way to access literally every single thing that they reference. Um, Yeah. But it's still amazing. And it's still such an amazing series that I've grown more affectionate for since Ultimate came out because I think Ultimate is a very, very polished and cool package. Um, It's.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. Like you, you talk about that too, because it feels like there's those things that Nintendo Nintendo could do to really just like, like show the Switch is an amazing console. Right. Like especially with Smash Bros as a game, like that entire fighting game and eSport community is grassroots. And Nintendo has tried to shut down events (laughs) and successfully shut down events and almost stopped like a charity event of Smash Bros. going on. Like they have gone out of their way to prevent Smash from growing as an eSport, yet it is still one of the most popular ones yet. Mm -hmm. I Sometimes I imagine a world where from the start, Nintendo had signed on to like make it be a competitive scene or like just like maybe even just like co-sign these people doing these events um and just like what that could mean for eSports in general and for smash Bros and I I, I it just makes me kind of sad that they are are so adamant against that community that is trying everything like with slippy um the emulator uh to, mm. to play smash on on PC like it these people just want to play your game. <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't you want to make that easier for them? Because that also sells more copies. Um, another thing is melee. Like if, if they put people on like a melee remake or anything like that, that would sell like hotcakes. Right. Like there's so many people playing on dusty old game cubes on a CRT monitor so that they don't have any frames and aren't lagging. But like, imagine you had the HD on switch and had an online service like yeah. people would subscribe to that like that's its own source of revenue, and I, I it just feels like such an easy thing for them to do they, or like strategy to go.
0: They they could sell a Switch dock that looks like a purple GameCube like they would they would they <laughs> yeah. would they would absolutely like if it's like oh it's it's four hundred bucks for this Melee remake and a dock that looks like a GameCube <laughs> yeah. like those would sell out in like a nanosecond yeah it's, there's just like a lot of stuff that. I've, they do so many things that feel—I hate this phrase—but they 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 feel cash grabby or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or just kind of like, um, not very consumer friendly. Is I guess the the best way to put it. Yet, like there are so many ideas that they could do that. I'm just like, okay, like just do that instead because it would be <laughs> yeah. it would be incredible. But you know what do I know? I mean, the Switch is selling like hotcakes anyway, so I, I know that sure. has that has to have something to do with it. It's like they already feel. They already must feel like they're on top, so they don't feel a whole lot of pressure to do these things. But it's like I don't know. They, they could they could easily make a ton of money doing stuff like that.
1: Um, I will never understand them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but sorry for going off on melee. No, it's all right. I I, I appreciate it. Um, speaking of Nintendo, um, a lot of Pokemon announcements recently. Um, uh, yes, uh, Pokemon Legends I've... Arceus and the new Diamond Pearl um and and some other stuff how how do how are you feeling about the state of pokemon right now
1: um i'm very excited uh i saw the trailers for uh diamond and pearl brilliant diamond and i was like ecstatic uh i didn't really expect them to do anything because people have been talking about Sinnoh remakes for 10 years now (laughs) right (laughs) it's been a it's been a while since they came out and like 2007, 2006 in Japan, 2007, uh, everywhere else. But I remember, yeah, going to the store and picking that game up with my family and like that, those games are, are some of the most time I've spent in Pokemon, which was like the main series that got me into like gaming in, in general. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very excited that they're getting remade Diamond and Pearl and the art style was kind of odd to me. At the start, but I've grown to like it. I I think it it's it's fine. It, it's it's back to like kind of a chibi version from right. uh, like Pokemon X that the characters are are like smushed and tinier. Uh, but they, they still have like regular models, uh, in like battles and stuff, but in the overworld, it is, uh, tinier, which was, I, I saw a lot of people just like dunking on it for that. And <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's a, that's an art choice. I'm fine with that. Um, uh, yeah. And for, for Arceus, uh, that looks very fun. That looks like they're trying something new. Uh, right, and and actually, like going against, like they they started doing that. I think with Sun and Moon, really, when they went more into trials and, and less gym stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like open world, seemingly. I'm, I'm really yeah, excited to see like how it. this feels. Uh it it, it it
0: it ran at about 10 frames per second. Um, yes, which and we I talked to Imran about this last week, but it's like I, it seems like this is a prime a prime candidate for the. Uh, recently confirmed rumor of a Switch Pro. Um, because otherwise they're not going to let this thing run at, I don't know, 15 frames per second. Um, but, yeah. but, uh, what, how do you feel about kind of the shift in? Looks like you could still get into Pokemon battles and there's a lot of stuff that still looks like pretty familiar, but like in terms of the open worldness of it, does that uh excite you or are you worried about how that's gonna translate to Pokemon gameplay?
1: Um I remember seeing like photos on like meme websites being like this is what Pokemon will look like in twenty thirteen. There was like HD Skyrim retextures of like a Blastoise standing up and looking at the camera. Um and I I just knew that it would never really look like that in the next like 20 years probably but i was excited uh, and i was i've always wanted like an open world pokemon game like since i was a kid i feel like everyone who's played those games has probably yeah. had that feeling because they're pretty rigid and like guide you in certain directions but the the premise the plot of pokemon being like a trainer that explores the world and uh, hunts pokemon and then and, and captures them and, and explores and also just like, I guess you could go the scientist route and and just archive and, and document them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really hope that this game kind of explores the different parts of Pokemon as well that we haven't seen as much. Like we've seen a lot of battling, but maybe because it's an open world, you can do some cooler things with the Pokedex and maybe discover new types before, uh, before professors do, because this is like, this is how the professors spoke about their, uh, their adventures, like kind of going out into open fields and, and, and finding new Pokemon. So I hope this
0: emulates that feeling quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, cause I, I am a person who I'm there. There's not been a Pokemon game yet that has really held my attention. That's, that's another big admission I have to make is mm-hmm. Pokemon's just never been a big part of my repertoire, but like when I saw this trailer, you know, uh, jokes about, Frame rate aside, I did go, ah, all right, well, looks like you got to sneak around and throw Pokeballs and explore and explore nooks and crannies of of this region. And that stuff is exciting for me because, you know, it's like it's such a trite comparison now. But um, I mean, that is what I loved about Breath of the Wild is being able to explore these these little areas. And I don't want to put those kind of expectations on, frankly, any game, because I think that is – kind of a bizarre and, and unfair thing to do. But it's like, yeah, that's something that is usually missing for me with those Pokemon, with those mainline, mainline Pokemon games. It's like it doesn't necessarily have the feel of kind of exploration and discovery that um, other JRPGs do for me um, for whatever reason. And I think like having this mechanic in there might might change that for me. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Yeah. There's
1: a bit of dissonance for, like, the plot of Pokemon and, like, how the game is structured itself. Um, Mm -hmm. It is very, like, go to this town, then go to that town, and then go to this town, and then you're at the Elite Four, the final bosses. Right. Um, But I do, like, I don't know. I've always loved Pokemon Ranger and, like, uh, the offshoots that try to explore different parts of the Pokemon universe. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Rangers don't, like, capture Pokemon. They save Pokemon and help them out. Uh, and that was again for like the DS, and you could use your stylus. And there wasn't a battle system; it was more of like a spinning system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know. I, I really, my dream Pokemon games would be like being playing as the other trainers that you see mm-hmm. around the world. Like, you see, like, you see, like a biker dude. <laughs> like, what's his story? <laughs> and you see, like, uh, there's a lot of magicians, or there's a lot of um, there's like uh, contests as well. Like, you can dress up your Pokemon, and there's people in that universe who are very focused on that. Like they're like a lifestyle Pokemon trainer. Um, like there should just be a game around that. Like, I, I know there's, there's an yeah. event in a couple of the games where you can, where you can dress them up, but like put it,
0: make, make tell that, that story. Make that a game. Yeah. 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 hundred could, could
1: fully do something very cool with that.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. I would love to see that. I would really love to see that. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like I mean it looks like they're going in more open directions with this
1: game, so yeah. hopefully that's something we see later down the line for Pokemon,
0: yeah, speaking of different directions uh, did you ever play the original Pokemon snap uh yes okay did. did you did you enjoy it?
1: I did I had fun, um, but I kind of got bored after like a couple of levels. It's kind it, of repetitive, huh yeah. I was also very young and I was like, okay, let me throw this apple. Let me take a picture. <laughs> oh,
0: I mean, well, cool. I mean, it looks, I mean, frankly, it looks like the new one is kind of the same and we're like, you can throw the apple. And I'm like, okay, I remember throwing the apple before.
1: All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I, I, I'm kind of excited for it just cause it's going to be like a very pretty place it's, to take yeah, pictures of Pokemon. And 100%. especially like on switch, you have the capture button right there. Like Twitter's gonna see the most of that all the time. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it does. It did. What what I did though, when I put when I when I watched the Pokemon Legends trailer and the new Pokemon uh, Snap stuff, I I did go put all this stuff together. Like make make like a new Pokemon Snap game that is completely on rails again. While it doesn't surprise me, it did make me go like, it's twenty twenty one. Like you could have a full like. You could be, you you could drop someone on an island and be like, you are a photojournalist. Yeah. You gotta like, and then it's and then it's like I don't know, like Paradise Killer, where you're just like exploring this island and all oh the weird gosh. areas, then you can take like photos of these Pokemon in the wild instead of on this track and like
1: yeah, like if st- there's a plot you know. to it, yeah, like there's something going on and you have to like take the pictures of these Pokemon and it like built up to something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it it feels like. It feels like there are so many Pokemon games. This is from such an outsider's perspective because I really don't, I, you know, again, I don't I'm not the biggest fan of the series, but it's like, you know, they'll announce like five or six games like within a 6-month span for Pokemon, mm-hmm. and I'll kind of sit there and go like, make two of them. Like put <laughs> like put most of these ideas together, to be honest. Like because it's <laughs> like that's what I want. Like a lot of these games feel um, feel fundamentally shallow to me which like i think is mm-hmm. one one that that's just me not growing up with this and i think it's also me like you know not you know, totally the, the the core gameplay not resonating with me for whatever reason so it's like grain of salt because i'm not the i'm not the target audience but like I, I just wish that they would combine some of these big 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 ideas that they seem to just like They have big idea and then they go, okay, the game is the big idea. And I'm like, no, like make a game where a few of those big ideas exist because then, then you've got my intention because what happens for me inevitably is I pick up one of these games and I play it for a few hours and then I just kind of it kind of just drifts away from me. um, And I kind of want it to, I want Pokemon to mean something to me because it like so clearly brings a ton of joy to like a lot of people that I, I really like and I kind of want to get it and I haven't gotten it yet. And that's, it's frustrating.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like let's go. Those games were built to pull people in, sure. in that way. And like to get people, I guess just into the mindset of, of Pokemon and like what, people enjoy out of it like the the capturing the 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 grinding and also the battling as well like that Mm -hmm. i guess ev training and and fighting competitive competitively is also like a huge part of the pokemon fan base Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i I see what you're saying like i think the reason i was into pokemon is just because like I, i played blue and then like and crystal and then Emerald came out, like, right after, like, as I was finishing up those games. And I was like, oh, perfect. Like, this is the next thing I'm playing. And then, like, a few years later, like, it was Diamond and Pearl. And then I was like, oh, perfect. This is what I'm playing. Um, And, like, since I've played other games and since I've played other JRPGs as well, like, I think mechanically Pokemon is super behind and or not even behind but I, I just feel like i don't like this the ways they play right like persona seems so much more fun like right. persona four and five like that i'm in battle like whoa i wonder what could happen like yeah. let me analyze this guy like he he has a power i have never even seen before right. like i don't know what's what's effective against this let me try this again whereas pokemon is like i guess more more basic like okay fire water beats fire fire beats grass etc um, they've, they've mixed that up uh, or sh- shake, shaking that up later on in the series with the addition of like dragon and fairy, um, yeah. and, but, and, which has been fun, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I see what you're saying about those games. I, I think sun and moon, I kind of trailed off of, uh, Omega Ruby and Sapphire. I also trailed off of, but up until then I was playing those games pretty heavy.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, folks have got a, I, you know, a lot of Pokemon stuff coming out in the next year and a half or so. So um, plenty of places to hop on the train and I'll continue to try. Like I I, I I, always try. I got Sword and I'm like, OK, I'm going to play Sword. And then, you know, two hours later, I'm like, OK, well, I'm not <laughs> going to play this anymore, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, one of these days, I'm determined. I'm bound to try strength. Emerald. Okay. Emerald was the one like I played through that one. I was like, "Wow!" I will play Emerald. I will. I will play Emerald. I will try that. Um, a game that uh, I also haven't played <laughs> in a long time is uh, is Valorant, which uh, I I was pleased to see that uh, you wrote a piece this week that appeared uh, over on Paste about their new uh, about the new hero Astra. Which, like, I don't know. I have to admit, and this is partially because I'm biased and I like you. But also because, like, I I read your piece and I was like, okay, this character sounds kind of cool. Am I going to reinstall Valorant? Is that a thing I'm going to do? John, so, please do. Tell me. We got to frag me. out again. Yeah, we got to frag out. Um, Tell me about tell me about Astra and maybe just tell me about, like, the basic state of the game right now because it's been a little little while.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So Astra is a new agent from the game. She's one of the few agents they've added in since launch in June. Uh, she's very, very cool. And like, I think she shakes up the game in a way that feels exciting. Um, because the game's been going for how many months has it been since June? Uh, a a while since June. Uh, and I don't know, it's gotten a bit, I I don't want to say stagnant, but like, you know, everyone's abilities pretty much. Um, you know what they do, you know, like if you're losing, you you're like, okay, this guy did that. Uh, this guy flashed the corner. All right, I'm gonna lose to that. But with Astra, it's it's so there's so many possibilities with her with her kit that mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, every game is like, oh no, what is that orb gonna do? <laughs> um, so her her whole thing is that she she can press X at any time and and like walk into a little mind palace that is like a purple galaxy, um, where she can see the full map and fly anywhere in the map she wants to in her brain and then place an orb down. Uh, and then she can get out of that zone. And where the orbs are, she can either do a concussing move, a uh, a cloud, a smoke, so that they can't see vision, or she could use a gravity well, which pulls people into the center of the orb. Wow. Uh, and she can do those at will, which is really, really cool Um, and is the reason I think they're marketing her as this kind of like galaxy brain character yeah. because you could do so much with her. Like I was playing her one way, uh, a, a certain place style where I would like, Make a a smoke cat, caterpillar, yeah. and then like do do it like a concussion at the wall, and so they just didn't know I was even coming onto the site, which is pretty hilarious. But yeah, John, it's it's so fun. It's it's very, it's interesting cool because
0: because your 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 write up and also the gameplay trailer they released for her, um, immediately made me think. Oh she's overpowered like this is the, the what this does is basically you go it gives it just kind of unlocks the entire map to you not like not fully, but it's like being able to see stuff and play stuff anywhere seemed very 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 um antithetical to like the vibe Valorant has had since the beginning, which is like, you're in these little spaces. The most you can really pull out are these like, you know, small radiuses where you can start to do stuff. It's like maybe a couple of agents have powers where you can really put stuff anywhere. Um, But like, she seems pretty powerful. So like, how how would you say like, how do you counter her abilities? Like, how do you, how do you prepare for her? Because I think that's been something I've been curious about since I, uh, since I read your piece
1: um that's a very very great question um i think her downfall is herself quite honestly like there is the 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 i guess curse of over choice that she has Mm. like you place all of those orbs everywhere but like your brain how are you gonna know what to do like Mm -hmm. okay you, you you're putting orbs and you're like okay someone might be in this corner so i'll put an orb here and i'll smoke them off so they can't see me, but you don't really know if they're going to be in that corner. They could be in another right. one. Um, so if they're not in that corner, you might have to use a uh, gravity well over there instead. So it's a lot of thinking on the fly. Um, so I know that messes a lot of people up, just like just chance and, and things changing because you don't know everything. Right. You can see the whole map, but you can't see other players unless sure. your team sees them. Okay. Um, and another thing also is just being in the mind palace and placing those uh, stars those those orbs, they're very you're extremely vulnerable. Like you can't hear around you, mm. so anyone could walk up and shoot you, which they have done to me. Oh god, <laughs> way too many times. I didn't put that in the piece, but I got shot in the head so many times. Just trying to place orbs, um, and it's that part's embarrassing because you're like, oh, I have so much, a bit like I've, as you said, like so much potential to change the game with with the powers that she has. But like pop her once and she's gone, and all those orbs are like null and
0: void. Yeah. Um talk talk about her design for a second because she's got this kind of afrofuturist, she's from Ghana vibe, like I think that is something that um you know, it's it's taken Overwatch like, you know, uh, a million years to put a, a black woman in the game. Um so so like <laughs> Valorant decided, "Hey, this is like a good opportunity for us." And uh <laughs> Astra seems really cool. So like how's her vibe? Um yeah, like on overwatch
1: first of all they still don't even have still don't they they have like a robot that a black woman made
0: (laughs) yeah and then they're gonna they're gonna wait till overwatch 2 comes out which like they keep delaying so i'm just like well okay yeah
1: (laughs) yeah it's um i i really like her design and i i think i like her personality the most though like there's and you've played Valorant, but for those who haven't, like when you're walking around, your character will just say quips or whatever, or, yeah. or say like a quote. And hers are very, very funny, and like she roasts other characters, and she like just hums going to lane, which is very nice. Like it's I, fun. I it honestly took me by surprise. She's just like humming a song, and everyone's like, oh, nice. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, and yeah, I I like I like how League of Legends and Valorant characterized through like these you're playing in like battle arenas like the same kind of maps with the same characters there is isn't much of a plot in each match but the characters really bring in that lore and and bring in like i don't know like you 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 care about these people uh in a way that I I'm surprised because in other shooters like call of duty, I'm just like playing an avatar. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm just running down and this is war, but in Valorant, like it's, it's different. Like you're playing, you're kind of embodying a character and on the select screen, they have a paragraph of like a description of their backstory and what, what brought them to Valorant, what they're fighting for, what country they're from as well. Um, and I think that's very nice and I think Valorant's doing a great job at putting in, diverse both in in looks and in kit uh, of cast of characters like the past few they brought in um, were yoru and sky uh who yoru can teleport around and like do a pop flash from CS:GO, which Mm -hmm. is the first time that mechanic has been in in valorant which is pretty cool um and sky can yeah she has like a bunch of dogs and birds that she can throw around the map and kind of embody which is which yeah like it, it isn't like any of the other characters at all. And they all feel very distinct. Yeah. Um, which I really enjoy.
0: Yeah. I'm, I might, uh, I might have to
1: reinstall it. I'm John, do, do it. That. Do,
0: it's, it's fun. It, I think it's fun,
1: but it also does get intense. Like yeah. we've, we've been in matches where it's been intense and it, I don't know, like that, that still hasn't gone away. Like, yeah, I think it's gotten probably worse too, in terms of just like people on voice chat. I can't believe it. Like people, John, I played a game and this child was in the game and he said, you're all bleep bleep. And the rest of us were, we didn't say anything. We're like, this is clearly a child. But he's like shit talking us so hard. But someone someone with, please come get this child. Please. Is, get, come is get it, this it child. not class right now? Like I I don't know. It was very shocking, but like that kind of like yelling and disregard for any soul Ugh. is very prevalent on Valorant. Like uh I was playing Overwatch and I don't have voice chat on for that game recently. Right, yeah. Um, and that's been pleasant. But Valorant is also a game where you rely on communication. Yeah,
0: um, heavily, yeah.
1: And yeah, like you, you call out where where your foes are and like if you don't do that it's a chance that your teammate could die because you didn't say something um and that could cost you the round and later on the the full match in in general uh so yeah like back to astra like communication is also very key for her like Mm, mm -hmm. you can play from spawn honestly uh and and place orbs and activate them from spawn yeah uh or from another site. So like, that's, that's another completely different play style. Like you're across the map distracting them, but you're also like smoking for your team on the other side and concussing for your team. If they say like, Oh, there's a dude on your orb. Then you just press the button and they're, uh, they're crowd controlled. Uh, So it's, there's a lot of potential for like plays for her. And I wrote in the, in the piece that like, I'm excited to see people like tinkering around and like the next YouTube being like, Astra's broken. Check out this like cool <laughs> hack you can do by like putting the smoke over here, or, like gravity welling over there. Or, like I don't know. There's 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 so much uh, of of that in Valorant because yeah. people want to get better and learn and like there's a whole ecosystem of YouTubers and and like people who want to help uh, as well. So I, I think that's going to be fun for everyone just
0: to learn her. Yeah, in general, that's very cool. Um, yeah, you can go check out that piece over, uh, at paste, um, right now, which is very good. I think everyone listening should go do that.
1: Um, thank you.
0: What, uh, what else are you playing lately?
1: Anything? Uh, yeah, I, I, I finally got a PS five, like, oh,
0: <laughs> I, way to I, go.
1: I did it. Finally. You Let's, did go. It. Let's go. It's so weird. I was telling some of my friends and they're like, don't, don't they give you like consoles People who write about games, and I was like, no. "Oh
0: wow, no, my my sweet summer child, no." <laughs> they they we're, we're, don't care it's, about us. It's every person for themselves in this in this awful, <laughs> awful industry. Yeah,
1: it's like I'm I'm trying to cover these games, but I can't. You can't buy them. You, it's ridiculous. But I I uh, I purchased uh, Demon Souls, and I, I played through that one, which I was so surprised that I would enjoy. Um, but I had so so much fun with it, yeah. Uh, especially the summoning mechanics and just discovering all the quirky puzzle like bosses was
0: a-, a-, a light in that game for me. Yeah. Did you did you think it was kind of too hard? Did you kind of get that it was? I don't know, like known for that. <laughs> like I don't know.
1: Uh, yes, but I mean, I I started playing Dark Souls before that, sure. Um. Inspired by my friends and also watching *Marek Souls*, um, yeah. I was like, "This game looks awesome!" And like, I, I really wanted to discover what was what it was about. Yeah. Um. So I played a bunch of *Dark Souls*, and I got to this boss called Ornstein and Smog, mm-hmm. um, two evil men, two evil evil men, uh, who crushed me with a hammer. Mm-hmm. And they, <laughs> I tried to summon my friends to help me, <laughs> and I had no humanity. And the only place I could get humanity was like twenty hours like before where i was and i had to like run past every demon i fought before cuz i didn't have any teleporting powers I like go past the brain goblins to go under a bridge and to kill two rats and keep farming them to get more humanity so i could summon my friends uh, and that was very frustrating that game that game i was like okay this game hates me yeah. but then when i played demon souls it it felt honestly more fair and more understanding and like okay. the bosses I was talking to uh Ren about this, Renata. Yeah. Uh and uh she was kind of talking to me about like how she really enjoyed uh I guess the puzzle-like parts of the boss, like how they yeah, they they they, they don't feel like you're Dark Souls kind of throws a dude at you and it's like, "Alright, fight this dude in armor or fight this like really twisted like demon." Uh and he, he's going to fight you. But Demon Souls is more like, "Okay, like just hit this corner of this guy." Like this guy has like a uh, a big metal rod stuck in him and he doesn't take any damage. But if you like, if you hit this part of the metal rod, then he instantly dies. Yeah. Right. Um, So it is, it is less like just like a, a duel of just straight up strength or magic. And it's more like solving what the gimmick of this area is. Sure. And, and that doesn't feel less rewarding than uh, Dark Souls at all, which I, I thought it could, um, but no, like it, those still, those bosses still like one shot you. Mm-hmm. It's just like, instead of like having to hit them a thousand times and use your shield and parry, like you kind of solve the, the, the issue in, in different ways, which I found very, very fun.
0: Did you have any run-ins with like world tendency that frustrated you or, or anything like that? Um, no, but I did have run-ins with dudes trying to jump me while I was <laughs> like,
1: God, John, I was walking up this staircase that was so, so like tiny. Like it, it had, I had to walk one foot in front of another, like up this like staircase. And then uh, this, these Cthulhu like beasts that like can stun you instantly and then swallow you whole mm-hmm. were on it as well. So my friend and I were playing, we're like, okay, we have to like sneak behind them and backstab them. And we did that to get to like a boss room and where we see the boss at the top. But at the bottom of the staircase, I I see a red little speck. And I'm like, what is it? What is that? And then it disappears. And I'm like, "Okay, I guess (laughs) I guess it was nothing like a Skyrim guard or whatever. And we walk up to the door and I'm like, all right, Josh. So for this boss, I think we can go and I can distract him over here and you can cut his wing off. And then we could we could do this. And I look at Josh and he's getting backstabbed with like the (laughs) largest sword I've ever seen in my life. And this dude, like, this enemy, like, uses his invisibility spell again and then stabs me and throws us both off of this staircase <laughs> to the start. And I was like, why Why would anyone do that? Like, why are people so mean? Yeah. They're, they're, they're so mean in that game, but... <laughs> I guess that's a toss-up and a kind of something I really loved about that. Like, the multiplayer is very fun, but it's that push and pull. Like, you could have people help you on bosses, but that also means people are going to try to kill you, like, right. for no reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm very happy you have a PS5. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm so I'm I'm so happy for you.
1: I tried Astro's Playroom. I remember you talking about it. Yeah. And
0: that game is so cool as well. The game's really good. It, it was really, you know, it's like... I don't know it's it it's packaged in as such a um I don't know like a demo of the hardware itself, you know, being able to do a lot of stuff with the dual sense controller and all that stuff, but like it's just kind of a nice like cute and uh, platformer with a lot of heart and I don't know it's it's good mm-hmm. and it like it
1: builds on mechanics like i we talked about flood earlier, but they kind of have like a flood like a- yeah. element in in Astro. Uh, it's, it's, it's very fun, but yeah, it does look like a demo, but it's a full platformer. Yeah, it's a platformer full, full, full ass game. Nice. Sony
0: Japan Studio just got shut down after, you know, like, I don't know, 20 years or whatever. Um, 25 mm-hmm. years because they had made a lot of the early, um, PS1 games and I was bummed by that. But then like, I read that most of that team is basically just being spun into the team that made Astro's Playroom. So oh, I'm like, awesome. I'm like, ah, oh, all right, well. OK, then it means that we've got like bigger stuff coming from that team, which um, which I'm super excited to see, because like if they if they make something that's even kind of beefier, I would really be interested to see what that is, even though I increasingly and I think I think you feel the same way. I've been enjoying a lot of shorter games lately, too, just kind of like yes. like quicker experiences, because uh, it's nice to be able to do that. And Astro's Playroom is is pretty quick. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Funky, thank you for hanging out. With me today. This was fun. Thank you so much for having me here, and of thank course. you for the knowledge. Oh, oh, you're the first guest to do that. Thank you.
1: <laughs> what? I, I feel like everyone should say that.
0: Everyone should say that. That's going to be a new trend. I'm going to just like wait. I'm going to wait at the end of all these interviews until they just get it. You know? <laughs> do, do you have something to say? I mean, you <laughs> do rap, you have anything like, to say? Uh, anything, you wanna any, say to anything you want to say? Anything you want to say to the host of the show? No. <laughs> um where can folks uh where can folks find you online uh you can find me on twitter
1: at funkyfly, and uh yeah a fan by, this bylines there and paste uh and some other things coming up soon which hey. uh, you'll just
0: find on twitter hey that's exciting. Hey. hey um well that's very cool and uh i'm I, you know what i'm gonna go download uh, valorant now
1: so. yes let's play let's, let's play soon
0: The Last of Us Part 2 once had a multiplayer mode set to launch with the game, but it was removed during development. Naughty Dog said at the time they were planning on releasing the game mode as a standalone product, but didn't say much after the initial announcement. Now, it seems like that plan is falling into place. Naughty Dog is hiring an economy designer to flesh out the microtransaction system for the unnamed project. From the listing, it sounds like Naughty Dog is planning a long-term service game with avenues of self-expression on top of the normal extremely violent gameplay. With The Last of Us 2 launching last year at $60, it also stands to reason that the multiplayer mode might release as a free-to-play game, though nothing has been announced in that vein. Speaking of Acclaimed 2020 releases, one of my favorite games from last year was Dot Emu's Streets of Rage 4, which revitalized the iconic beat-em-up franchise from the Sega Genesis era. Their approach to make the gameplay feel fresh and exciting again put them squarely on my radar in terms of developers to watch going forward. This week, it was announced that Dot Emu will team with ex-Scott Pilgrim vs. the World devs from Tribute Games to create a successor to the classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat-em-ups called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredders Revenge. Everything you remember from the old games this year, up to four-player co-op, colorful locales, iconic enemies, and foot soldiers. Tons and tons of foot soldiers. In the trailer, I spotted some juggly, combo-y gameplay that reminded me a lot of what Dot Emu brought to Streets of Rage 4, so I'm very excited to get my hands on this when it launches in the future for PC and unspecified consoles. Hey, I wanted to end this week with a bit of a reflection over the past year. And I know a lot of people are in that mode. And I, I kind of told myself I wouldn't do it myself. But I am feeling pretty reflective. Um, and if you're tired of that, because there has been a lot of that going around, uh, I don't blame you. And if you want to duck out of this one, we'll see you next week. Um, but I remember a year ago, May sixth, uh, 2020, I looked it up. Recently, um, our HR director over at Fanbyte uh, Ray um, sent us an email requesting that we just don't come to the office on Monday, uh, the next Monday. And um, first of all, I want to say – our executive leadership over, over at FanBite has been amazing. They kind of saw that this was going to be an issue uh, before I think a lot of uh, American-based companies did um, and had no hesitation sending all of us home, um, figuring out the ramifications of that and really accommodating everyone's kind of work-from-home stuff uh, throughout the year. So I want to first of all say I'm grateful for that because I know um, not everyone has been that lucky. So. That's first of all, um, but I, I do want to reflect on just how bizarre this year has been, and kind of talk about um, some things that I, I guess I've noticed. Um, in January of 2020, I was in Shenzhen, uh, mainly in China, and uh, word had started spreading about a uh, new disease that that folks were getting, and um, obviously the first few cases had been found in Wuhan and. Um, Some folks were sick in Hong Kong, I believe. So when we flew in, there was some worry and heightened security and more temperature taking than usual. Uh, But we had a mostly uneventful week-long trip in Shenzhen. We weren't super worried about it. We flew back to Los Angeles and, you know, within days, the first few cases had popped up in the U.S. and elsewhere. And we we started to see the dominoes fall, right? So... I remember that week of March pretty clearly because a lot of different things happened. We were sent home and a couple of days after we started our stint of working from home, which we, by the way, did not think was going to last more than a year. I think most of us thought, OK, maybe this will be a few weeks, a few months, and everything will be under control. But we were so wrong for many reasons. Um, But I remember <laughs> – A lot has been written this week about it uh, on sports media and I I totally – I definitely invite you to go look at ESPN and a few other writers who um, have written about this. But the NBA, the National Basketball Association, that was really a very fascinating week because we had seen a basketball player by the name of Rudy Gobert kind of make fun during a press conference of – um, people who were worried about uh, COVID-19. And he touched the microphones playfully with his bare hands and kind of made a big spectacle out of, out of the disease. And he ended up coming down with it and was responsible for the spread of it amongst his own team, um, which ultimately caused the cancellation or at least the pause of that entire NBA season. And the halt of sports was really the first moment that I saw that I thought, oh shit, this is this is a really big deal. And I know that sounds silly, especially to folks maybe listening to this that, that don't care about sports very much, but but America loves its sports very much and in, in a way that um feels irresponsible at times. If you want to kind of get a sense of that irresponsibility, uh I definitely invite you to read Natalie Weiner's uh wonderful pieces over at fanbite.com she touches on that subject often, but we have an irresponsible relationship with sports. And I think it was the cancellation of sports that, that freaked me out the most. And that really started a domino effect. And, and I think those first couple of months felt, um, and this is definitely a position of privilege. So I want to preface it with that. Definitely felt like some sort of weird, vacation in a way of, of being kind of uh, at home with my family and working at home kind of felt like kind of felt in a way like, you know, maybe I would like sleep on the floor in my parents' room when I was growing up and we would have like, we would watch TV and fall asleep. And I don't know. It just felt like this very close knit thing at the very first, because it, it just felt so different and interesting um kind of away from the daily commute and the grind or whatever um and of course as time went on it stopped feeling that way and of course in 2020 we experienced some of the um some of i think the darkest moments of our country's history and maybe the world's history but i'll focus on the u.s just dealing with all the the civil rights and injustice um Problems that we we kept seeing come up in the summer. Um, George Floyd was obviously a heartbreaking moment. Uh, Breonna Taylor, a heartbreaking moment, stacked on top of a lifetime of heartbreaking moments. And I can't believe I can't believe we got through that. And I don't think I would have gotten through it had it not been for the people that I work with here. And I know not everyone has what what I have, which is an abundance of support that I think I, I wasn't quite sure I realized I had until I spent a year at home missing the people that I, I work with every day and I talk to every day and just being in their space every day. I don't think I really realized that. But as the year went on and we kept getting hit with tragedy and uh irresponsibility and frankly cruelty from people in power, um, it showed me a lot about what's bad about us, but it it also showed me the goodness in in us. And I think I know some of that might ring hollow to to folks that have been especially um, affected by everything that happened over the past year. But I do think there is goodness in, I do think there's goodness in us and the support and the warmth that I've experienced over the past year with my community um, with, you know, it sounds silly because it's a, A big fucking company but it's like with the fanbite folks with the community with the discord you can join the discord at fanbite.casa i know that's a shitty plug but i really mean it i think like spending time with these people who are genuinely warm and positive and and supportive that that has been everything i wish i would gotten off of twitter i still do every day in a way but i haven't um but it's really the moment spending miss it's frankly missing the moments I would spend in person with with my coworkers and friends and longing for that and now that I can kind of see an end to it where where we've gotten to the point where a lot of us are being vaccinated and and i'm I'm very happy for that I of course mourn for the many the five hundred thousand in the u s and the two point six million around the world that um did not make it through this. Um some people I know didn't make it through this and that's heartbreaking. Um but I can see the end and I'm I'm angry. I'm so angry because it didn't have to be like this. But I am grateful for um everyone I work with and everyone I interact with every day. And I think I just want to invite you, the listener, into the community and it, I, I again it's silly it, doesn't, it has nothing to do with company nothing to do with any of that shit if you don't care about the brand whatever the fuck I don't know if you want to join just a community and feel supported just I don't know let me know like I, I think I think we should just be I think we should just be enveloped by kind of the warmth and support that I've experienced, and I want to extend that kindness to you um, at home. And that's kind of hokey, um, and you might roll your eyes at that, and I totally get that because I think if I think if I heard someone on a, a fucking podcast for a video game show say that, I would do the same thing. But um, but I have a lot of love in my heart. And, and there are a lot of people in my life that also share that. And um, yeah, I just kind of want to invite you to, to, to our table, I guess. And because that, that's really been the thing that's gotten me through this year. And I think it's going to be the thing that gets us through the next year and the year beyond that. So anyway, this year has been really bizarre and it's been really hard and it's been terrible. And a lot of ways, but it 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 did also make me appreciate a lot more the people I have in my life. And um and if you're listening to this, you're you're part of that, I think. Um and and so yeah, I just wanted to end this episode with a reflection on that because I um I've been thinking about it a lot. Hey, that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to give my appreciation to Funky Joseph for being able to sit down with me. And talk for a long time about some really fun stuff. Funke is one of just the best people uh, I I know so I hope you enjoyed uh, the conversation as much as I did uh, If you want to follow them on Twitter you can do so over at FunkeFly If you want to follow our wonderful producer Paul uh, Tamayo, you can do that over at Paul Tamayo. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can do that over at FloppyAdult um, If you want to follow FanBite, you can follow FanBite Media on Twitter. Uh, if you want to check out all of our podcasts because they're exemplary, every in one of them, you can do so at podcastnet.org. Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And until next time, you're welcome.